okay, so how does that help us now? And that's, I think, why I've, part of why I've been hesitant. And it's not to say that I've never tried. I have tried, but it like I'll get into it and like I'll get people that are interested. They're like, ah, and then I start talking about it. And then it's like, okay. And you, you kind of see, and again, and, and part of this is, you know, me working on my own, you know, my, my rhetoric and my, my messaging and stuff and my mm-hmm. approach. But, you know, you see their eyes glaze over because they realize, well, this isn't something I can act on like anytime right. in the near future. Like this but, is, so you're telling, you're telling me the solution to all of my problems is to build a gigantic national movement. <laughs> Welcome to Activist MMT, a podcast about nonviolent MMT direct activism, introducing modern monetary theory to the world and conversations about learning MMT together. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today is part two of my two-part conversation with third-year MMT activist Sam Hollenbeck. Along with my recent guest Amber Griego, Sam is co-founder of the organization Beyond the Spectrum. Sam talks more about his volunteering experience and his thoughts on the federal job guarantee and the struggles introducing MMT to those who are deliberately made to struggle. A full introduction can be found before part one, but for now, let's get right back to our conversation. focusing on each of those worms and spending a couple months on each of those worms. And then you realize that each of those worms is just another can of worms. It's fractal. It never ends. (laughs) It never ends ever. Right. So it's like, it's like, when do you, it's like, I don't understand. It's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to know what a stopping point is. When you know enough to get by. I had just actually just read the Mosler and four satters, the uh, natural rate of interest is zero, which is an amazing paper. If you haven't read it, amazing uh, paper. In fact, I would say now that I read it, I'm like, I'm so disappointed that I didn't read this as one of the very first things that I had ever read when I started hmm. learning this stuff. Yeah. Like seriously, yeah. seriously recommend it. And it's, and um, actually Matt says that he, uh, he said that he wrote it deliberately, or maybe he always writes deliberately, on a more layperson kind of, you know, way, like less academic way. So it's more friendly right. for people who don't yeah. know. And that's, so, that's, we need a lot more of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so anyway. That was- yeah. It, it, it's tough. It, it is tough to actually put these concepts with, with the real world effects in the, in the way the, that things actually work. 
Um, you know, especially cause we're, I mean, we're not talking about a lot of these things that, you know, we're not talking about this stuff isn't in the news. I mean, they may talk about, you know, they may talk about raising or lowering fed interest rates, you know, but it's only in the context of like, it, you know, it's some like article that's like kind of putting a thumb in Donald Trump's eye. Like, you know, he thinks the fed is out to get him that it's that they're trying to neuter his his successful economy by, by playing with the interest rates. And, you know, and, and it's like, and, and, and of course they, you know, they all have it so backwards when the interest rates are higher, you know, everybody thinks that that means, Oh, okay. Everybody's going to stop borrowing money. But the, 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 the price of money, as they say, or the, these in, and the interest rates is like matters almost not at all when, when deciding, when people or businesses or institutions of any kind are deciding whether or not to borrow more money, it's like it's all based on their own demand. So really all raising the interest rates does, as you were pointing out, is is just to in- increase the cash flow going to these uh, the bondholders, the people who can afford to hold lots and lots of bonds. I remember I remember the first time I ever heard, you know, the 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 sale of U.S. bonds being called. Uh, corporate welfare hmm. and it took me a long time to understand that that it's like oh yeah it's free money literally if they, if you have enough money you can just buy a bunch of these bonds and just sit there and collect the interest on it so it's like right. you know and, and so one of the actual one of speaking of the mmt podcast one of the episodes that was really really enlightening to me on this was the uh, 43 the sam levy episode and that was um, funny yeah, <laughs> we can well, just by the number we can say exactly <laughs> what see, it was. You you know it that well. I had my phone out because I had to find it first. <laughs> but that's okay. okay. Um, you know, it's funny though. It's, it's like because you say you know, well, like oh, okay, you you pointed out that I actually had like uh, a little bit of time on you as far as like when we started ans- asking these kind of questions and looking for the answers. I have to say though, though time wise, I mean, chronologically, you know, my, the beginning of my journey may have been before yours. So you've obviously put much, much more time into your journey than I have. I mean, I've, I've done see the, a lot of the, a lot of the MMT that I learned, I learned while I was doing other things. Like while, like when I worked for Real Progressives, I mean, I got involved in a lot of other stuff. I mean, it was like I got involved in like media stuff, social media stuff, like project management stuff, uh, you know, leading, uh, leading people, recruiting people, training people, a lot of like the back room, like, you know, the, 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 the stuff that behind the behind the scenes you know, playing with the spreadsheets and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's where I spent a lot of my time. And actually, the amount of time that I was spending learning, actually listening listening to these lectures and learning actually went down for a little while. You know, and then when I, when I made the decision to move on from Real Progressives, it wasn't an easy decision. But one of the things that was calling to me at that time was that I knew almost nothing about local level stuff at all. Local, I didn't know anything about the politics in my own area. Mm. I didn't know how local politics even really functioned. I, I was, I, I was completely unaware. Um, so I knew that I had to get involved in on a local level. So basically, I, I spent, you know, I spent a little over a year volunteering for for local groups well the the you know 
the one I volunteered for the most was, you know, was called Truth Farm, and and they were for people who suffer from substance use disorders um, and their families, and to to help people kind of navigate this this um, very delicate, very difficult time in in new more enlightened ways that doesn't involve some of the old school like shaming techniques and tough love and things that have been really you know shown to be much deadlier to to people who 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 are addicted to drugs and and it's like it's a whole new way of of to me, it was a whole new way, and to most people, still, it's a whole new way of of, of looking at these problems, of of the, the solutions. Um, so, you know, we're talking things like giving people more access to uh, treatment and recovery programs, and basically making it easier for them to find the path to recovery instead of. What we usually do, which is taking a criminal justice approach to. Right. And, you know, so one of the things that, you know, that I that I had tried to do while I while I was learning about these local issues and, and uh, you know, one of the things is always funding. So they have to spend a lot of time doing these like, um, um, you know, fundraising and, and, and things and the whole time I'm sitting here and I'm learning cause I, and I'm doing all this because like I want to help. I want to help in a way that I can actually help real people, hands on, direct aid. And I needed to see how these things worked and I needed to get in touch with, you know, my, my local issues and my local community. And the thing that was screaming to me the whole time was like, my God, if we had a federal job guarantee in place, like think of how just just even just that alone, how much of this problem with with epidemic levels of of substance use and and overdoses and and you know these or as Bernie Sanders would say you know these diseases of despair that you know drug use and overdose and suicide and like how much of this would go away, how many less people would be using uh substances or would would be would be driven to that point and how many less people would view participating in the supply side of of the drug trade market hmm. you know when when they, if they had who would do that if they had access to a living wage job wow that's actually much broader than i expected like i i was I, the first thing that came to mind when you started telling the story was like was it's wonderful that you're doing this. It's wonderful that this organization is doing this. It is disgusting that you have to do this. Exactly. And it's so much. And it's and it's and it's just it's putting it's like playing whack-a-mole. It's like um it's like just treating the symptom. Just treating the symptom it's exactly over the symptom. and over it's and exactly, over. You're just pushing it down into another place. You're not curing anything. You're just moving yeah. it somewhere else. So whack-a-mole. And how much yeah, and how much how much time and resources, energy and frustration, is is spent, you know, in in trying to change the way in which we treat the people who are involved with these diseases of despair, uh, and and how 
you know, how we can change the system. And these, these are all things that have to happen regardless anyway. But it's like, think of how much less the demand would be for these kind of solutions, you know, if, if we had just simply an, an economy that, that worked for people. I, I, you, you surprised me when you were – you surprised me by saying job guarantee because I was thinking if only we had like federal funding. I thought you were going to say if only this group was federally funded – then we could help these people without having to spend time raising money. But then well, you that, like immediately brought it to this much broader level of a job guarantee, which was I found very surprising. That's like, let's just get right to the heart of the matter here because a job guarantee, number one, would stop the supply, which I, I mean, that's just... It, well, well, it would... Well, but hold, hold on. So, so like it would cut off the supply because people wouldn't need to find money illegally in such a way that would hurt not just illegal, but hurt others. And it wouldn't, so people wouldn't have to consider purchasing these things. They wouldn't be desperate, pushed to desperation such that they would even consider having to purchase these things. But then again, on the, on the supplier side, they wouldn't, the supplier wouldn't be driven to desperation to have to consider selling these things. And this, this, uh, the support, organization would have people to work there and they wouldn't have to worry exactly. about funding. They would be funded. That's the, other, that's the other half of it is like one of my favorite, one of my favorite talks. And I, I and it's a, it's an, it's a Fidel Kaboob clip from a couple years ago and it was with real progressives. And he was saying, you know, that, that these, these well-established local nonprofits can be the administrators basically for this program. So, so I mean, I always say the you know the 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 drug market you know this for for, for illegal drugs. It's the same as any other market. You can't just you know I, I had a post the other day on Facebook where, where I said you know conservatives will tell you that you can't just ban guns. Why? Because no matter what, if you want a gun, you're going to get a gun. Right? There's three hundred and some odd million guns in this country. You're going to get a gun if you want a gun bad enough. Okay. And, but they fail to understand how that same logic will apply to the drug market. So it's like, it doesn't matter if you if you make all drugs illegal. It doesn't matter if you have these minimum the, the, or these mandatory oh. you know sentences. No matter what, you you, you cannot you you can't pro you can't use prohibition to yeah, to and, eliminate and, and, a market. And actually, I would like to guess what you're about to say. You don't need to ban guns. Give people what they need so they're not driven to guns. The gun so not, make guns yeah, they don't feel make they guns have a less reason a, to use it. Make guns less appealing by not doing anything regarding guns. Give people what they need overall so that guns simply become less attractive. If so that drugs had, become less attractive. So that selling drugs becomes less attractive. Using drugs becomes less attractive. Yeah. And and uh, actually so so if this uh, this uh, organization is helping organization that you were uh volunteering for if they got federally funded then that would mean that by i i think it's almost by definition that if they got federal funding they would need less funding because they would not be needed as much exactly well that's that's definitely a big part of it i mean you you figure you know so so as fidel was saying like these local nonprofits are 
you know, they are the ones who they're on the front line, so to speak, in, in the war on poverty, in the war on these diseases of despair. And, you know, they're the most in touch with the community. They know what the community needs. Okay, so if these people, if these groups have positions, these entry-level positions that they design, basically, and they have so that they can just plug people into as the program gives them new hires. If I went to the executive director of Truth Farm and I said, Alexis, the government's willing to pay for you to buy, to, to, to hire X amount of full-time employees are up to this many. Like, do you think you could create positions? Absolutely. She, she, she's already got massive lists of things that need to get done that it's like, you know, that, that yes, I mean, there's, there's services to the community. Um, there's things that there are education services, there's dis- distribution of supplies, you know, uh, and, uh, and of treatments and what, there's a lot of, there's transportation, there's, there's a lot of things, a lot of things that a group like that could do. And they could hire somebody to do full time easily in no time at all. She could have positions ready for, to plug people into. And so I know that the job guarantee is not a silver bullet that fixes all things forever and always, but it, it's like when you really start start to think about the way everything is connected together like this, there's so much that a job guarantee will, I mean, it'll go a long, long way in, in helping. Because yeah. like, look, really, in, in the end, we all pretty much want the same thing out of life, you know? I mean, we want we want to make enough money to – as as Randy Ray likes to say, a socially inclusive wage. I like that term because, you know, a livable wage or a living wage is a little bit tough to get by some people. But when you say a socially inclusive wage, and what does that mean? Hmm. And I used, to, I used to think about that same concept as like, you know, it's like, wow, if you don't make enough money, it's like you're not even really part of society. You don't you don't get yeah. to go down and, and participate in any of the things that anybody else does. Huh. Socially um, inclusive. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. I had never thought of that that way. But you know, so which becomes very lonely. It becomes so when you're when you're not making enough money to live and you're not making enough money to really participate in society, it becomes very lonely. It becomes very depressing. And so, in in depression, anxiety, poverty, like these things is these are the things that definitely uh, contribute to people wanting to use. Um, to use drugs to 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 mask that pain and to give them that ounce of relief that that just slight reprieve from all the misery, you know. And how much of that would would evaporate if if we could guarantee everybody, no matter where you live, that you can have that sort of life for yourself. You can have a wage that is socially inclusive. So yeah, so the, I mean, so the federal job guarantee is is a double edged sword in a, in a lot of ways, in that it eliminates a lot of that most desperate poverty. It eliminates that involuntary unemployment, the financial uncertainty, and all of the. It, it eliminates a lot of the stressors that lead to these diseases of despair, and it also provides the funding necessary to hire people in the community to 
to work towards addressing these these issues and and you know in filling filling positions uh doing work in the community that that kind of basically treats the aftermath of of having let these problems go for as long as we have um when we talk about modern monetary theory you know it's macroeconomics so we're looking at everything through that macro lens where you know where where the person who is the person who needs help and the person who uh whose life that we hope to change by implementing some of these big macro solution macro level solutions you know that person is a concept when we talk about it you know here or when we you know when we're talk when we listen to these interviews about you know the people that could stand to be doing better when you volunteer with local organizations you meet these people for real and it changes your life you can't go back you can't ever view them as a concept again like not when you've met these people huh. interesting. you know and it, and it's yeah and it just that's interesting it, it, that's interesting because the 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 uh you know the, the the targeting your interest rate an opaque mundane topic that exacerbates inequality and causes mass suffering and then here you are actually out there on on the front lines you know at the local level and that you actually see that mass suffering right in front of you like i know that there's mass unemployment and i you know i've read one of my favorite papers, which is Pavlina Treneva's uh, uh, Unemployment, the Silent Epidemic. And, you know, I know how devastating unemployment is, but it's one thing to understand how devastating it is. But it's another thing to actually be out there in a drug supporting group. I mean, you know, a, a rehab group to actually see an individual actually suffering as a result of these, you know, academic things. Yeah. Um, you know, Truth Farm will host these events where people can come and they can speak about their own experiences. And, you know, and it helps basically educate the community on like, look, I was the person that you would normally, you would have called a quote unquote, a junkie or a quote unquote, a druggie or this, you know, this irredeemable. And they're like, this is everything that I was going through. These are all the ways I thought that I was above it all. And this, these are the ways that it got to me. And this, you know, when you hear about these stories about how the, the negativity in, in, the, in the, the, the bad situations in their life compounded faster than they could even realize. And that, and that, you know, what started as a slight, you know, a, a slight little bit of relief from from the pain and the suffering that they were feeling before they even realized it evolves into this, you know, dependency and this addiction. And it's like, and then they tell the story of their recovery and everything that they've been through. When you see these people and, and how real this pain is, you hear one person's story and it's enough to bring you to tears and yeah. you can't forget the things that you learn. And then, you you know, when you when you realize that this person in front of me that's telling me this story, there's hundreds and yep. thousands I of other exactly people. exactly where you were going. Yeah, this is yeah. not even thousands. 
probably millions. Well, I mean, even just I was like speaking in the context of even just in my own hometown is like, you know, it's like it's like just in this crumbling like I I, I have my own town a lot. It's like, you know, it's like a lot of places. It's post-industrial wasteland. It's like a rust rusted out, you know, urban decay you know and it's just everything is decayed it's like it's it's like so it's a breeding ground for this this kind of these the conditions that lead to these diseases of despair and it's interesting and it's and and it's like how can it be otherwise how can it be otherwise because of and you knowing mmt us knowing mmt can actually understand like Someone who doesn't know MMT believes that this is just the way it has to be and we have to buck up. This is the way it has to be. We have no choice. This is it has to be a rust wasteland. And but you and me, we know that the federal government can spend, even though they don't have when even when they don't have any money, and therefore they could fill in this vacuum of need in your town. Absolutely. And we know that this suffering is you know, it's Stephanie Kelton's thing. The suffering. When the MMT coin drops and you realize the suffering is gratuitous. And uh, it's through Stephanie Kelton was responding in January of last year, uh, 2019, to someone saying, you know, Flint water, Flint's water is poisoned and that's awful. And yet today that I realized that they could have just created the money and solved this problem years ago. So it's like, you know, so people that don't understand that it could be solved by the federal level, they're yeah. like, this stinks, but it has to be. So let's just deal with it and move on. And yet you and I know it doesn't have to be this way. The suffering is gratuitous. Absolutely. It's a choice. It's so painful. And it's so painful to watch people like Alexis who... She's dead. She lost. See, she she started this organization back in, I believe, 2016. She lost her own son Mm. to an overdose and it took her some time to 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 sort that out. And and one of the things that came out of it was this organization. She because she wanted to make sure that, you know, her vision is so that nobody else has to feel that same pain, of course. And so it's so difficult to watch this very courageous woman who has put all of this time in, I mean, she's, I mean, she's dedicated every ounce of who she is and and of of her being and her whole life goes into, you know, trying to save people, save lives and just, and just watching the despair as, you know, the, the obstacles are just stacked against her is stacked against the organization, stacked against the people she's trying to help. Right. And it's like me sitting there, you know, and, and listening to these things and watching these things go on, knowing, knowing that, you know, of course, you, you're not going to be able to solve all of it, but you can solve a lot of it at the, at the federal level. And not just with, you know, the MMT and the funding aspect of it and the, and the jobs and, and whatnot, but even just from a policy standpoint, I mean, I mean, it, we, you know, end the war on drugs. That's, that's another big part of it too, is because it's easy to see even just studying alcohol prohibition that, you know, prohibition causes 
way more problems than it solves. Uh, prohibition doesn't solve anything. It actually makes things more more dangerous. Right, 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 right. Um, and actually, and ending the war on drugs would make it much more difficult to say that our unemployment is, you know, at its lowest levels and whatever, right? Because then all of a sudden, all these largely black people, black and brown, would suddenly not be in jail anymore because they're, you know, the war on drugs is significantly racist. And so therefore all these people would suddenly not be in jail anymore. All these not all these colored people would not be in jail anymore. And now they would be looking for jobs. It would put more pressure on the job market. It would put it would more expose the sham of our unemployment statistics. Well, yeah, I mean, you figure when we talk about even before the pandemic hit and, you know, we had, you know, Trump's quote unquote record low unemployment numbers. Now we know those numbers are horse. You know, we know those numbers are baloney because, you know, they don't include, they don't, it's all the people that they don't count and the people that, you know, are the, the type of people that truth farm is, is trying to help as well. That people that have maybe been out of the workforce for a long time. So if, if we're not going after, if we're not spending all of these resources going after, um, to try to, you know, incarcerate these people. And if, and if these, and you know, if, if folks have this, this, you know, more accessible pathway to recovery. And part of that recovery is, I mean, eventually they are going to start looking for paid work again. You know, you, you might, some people might be able to make the case that um, somebody who's been involved with criminal justice and uh, substance use for a long time, maybe somebody who's uh, less um, employable, you know, based on, you know, market standards, whether when they say, what, you know, how do I want to word this? Well, like, I, I think it, it, I think like less employable within this disgusting for profit system that we have. Exactly. Exactly. And it's and it's, you know, whereas where if we had the federal job guarantee. So these people that are going through this recovery process, they will have somewhere to go. No of course, matter they what. can clean parks. They can paint the sides of buildings. I mean, there's not, you know, having been a drug addict or, or even a horrible, genuinely horrible criminal doesn't stop the fact that you could pick up a piece of dirt in a park. You know, there is something for you to do. There's some. Yes, there's I mean, there's there's the whole point of like a lot of the presentations that I've seen on on what a, what jobs exist in a federal job guarantee. You know, it's a lot of, you know, they're they're transition jobs. So, you know, they're. You know, like Fidel was talking, you know, there's there's kind of different tiers of the types of jobs that can be had. But there's but, they, you know, the whole idea is to have this entry level work that it doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter if you haven't you may not have. So if you've been somebody, even if you weren't involved with um, substance use or, or criminal justice um, consequences at all. You know, if you were somebody just who hasn't been employed for a very long time for one reason or another, mm-hmm. you're you're considered less employable by today's standards. But in you know, if we had this federal job guarantee that was that was geared towards entry level work, 
that anybody can, you know, as they call it, shovel ready work, you know, it's like anybody can jump in and sure. learn how to do this job and talking about, you know, on the job training. It's, it's like, so no matter, you know, Fidel likes to say like meeting people where they are, right. You know, and, and, and as, as, and as Pavlina likes where to, they are, as they know. are. Yes. Thank you. And, you know, so it's, it's just, it's, it, there's so many ways this one policy can just change our world for the better that it's like, so when people ask me, what do you feel? It's like, if you could do one, you could just pass one policy out of all of everything in Bernie's uh, agenda or whatever. And me, like if I, the, the, I see the most important one as being the federal job guarantee because I can, oh, absolutely. absolutely. To everything else. Yeah. And it's not a panacea. But it is, uh, at least my instinct at the moment, it's a necessary first step. Yeah. It just, it's, it, it's, a, it's everything. <laughs> it's just, it, it empowers, it's, it's the foundation for everything. It doesn't do everything, but it's certainly the foundation for quite a lot. Um, so my final question, and then after this, just you'll close out with whatever you think, is I'm curious in your experience of helping at the local level, have you had any experiences where you have actually enlightened someone with MMT? And also if it applies to your kids at all, at least Lily being 10. So I've, um, it's, it's, it is actually really difficult to, 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 to broach the concept of MMT when you're, when you're part of somebody else's group and somebody else's movement, so to speak, and you're basically a guest at that table. It may be, you know, it's a lot harder than I think, than than you would think to to interject some like, you know, macroeconomic realities, so, so to speak, into the conversation. You know, into a conversation that's already going full full steam, and it's like I haven't quite tactfully found a way to really bring bring it up in a way that doesn't derail the conversations that are already taking place. So that's still a challenge for me, actually. I don't, I don't mind admitting that I actually envy uh, people like, uh, like Mark Fabian, who is, who is another volunteer for real progressives. I believe he's still volunteering for them. And he always has these stories of people. He just, he, he's somebody who can just talk to anybody. And he, he tells me, or he would tell me stories of how he would, you know, he'd he'd bring it up with his hairdresser. He'd bring it up with uh-huh. his waitress. He'd bring it up with any anybody that would listen. He'd bring it up, and he'd be going on these. Um, you know, I also hesitate to talk to anybody who's like important, so to speak, on a local level about this stuff because, well, maybe I'm not really the best one to have that conversation. So it's like coming up with a way to tactfully broach the subject to put it on their radar as a potential solution for them and to, to, and to where I'm actually doing it justice. Um, I feel like I need to polish my own rhetoric a little bit more and my own ability to speak about it off the cuff, basically. 
Um, so that's that's been a little bit of a challenge for me. But like I said, I'm, I'm actually getting back involved with some of the local stuff again recently um, and will be more here in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to to finding those kind of opportunities. You know, as far as my own kids go, no, um, my 10 year old daughter, she's. <laughs> Yeah, she's she doesn't she doesn't know MMT really. I mean, she knows she knows that when I I say, well, you know, we can do these things. These things are very easily possible, and you know, like it's capable. We we can do them, you know. And there's just unfortunately greedy people who don't want us to do them, so they pretend like we can't do them. Like that's how I explain it to her for now. That's perfect. You know? She gets. You must get that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think probably a part of it is, is uh, people are trying to survive. So even though the federal government could help them, even if they did help them, it's going to take a little bit of time, even if they immediately did it, that it would take a little bit of time to work its way to the local level. And meanwhile, people are still, you know, desperately need stuff like the cancel rent thing. Um, federal government could, could just pay everybody's salaries and cancel rent wouldn't be an issue. It'd be a non-issue, but that doesn't change the fact that people right now owe, owe at the end of this month rent and the federal government, even if they immediately did it, is not going to affect people's next rent payments. So, you know, exactly. in a way, it's like broaching that subject with people who are just sort of trying to survive the day. That's it. That's it. That's actually I'm, I'm glad you really I'm, I'm really glad you framed it that way, because that's perfect. It's like, OK. So how does that help us now? And that's, I think, why I've part of why I've been hesitant. And it's, it's not to say that I've never tried. I have tried, but it like I'll get into it, and like I'll get people that are interested. They're like ah, and then I start talking about it, and then it's like okay, and you you kind of see. And again, and, and part of this is you know me working on my own, you know my my rhetoric and my my messaging and stuff and my mm-hmm. approach, but. You know, you see their eyes glaze over because they realize, well, this isn't something I can act on, like anytime right. in the near future. Like this but, is so you're telling you're telling me the solution to all of my problems is to build a gigantic national movement. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I mean, yeah. So, so it's 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 more of a balance than I. It's more of a balance. You, you know, you right. you need to survive right. in the moment. But when you have a moment, when you have a moment to take a breath, it is important to get that perspective. You need to attack it from both sides of surviving now, but also realizing where we're ultimately working towards. But I, I learned that lesson a little, you know, recently. It's like someone's involved in the cancel rent movement and wherever. And I referred them to, you know, I had just been studying like Sam Levy wrote a really good uh, post about paper problems versus real problems where it was all about, you know, dealing with coronavirus where they could pay rent because it needs, because people need to pay their rent and therefore the federal government could pay it. They could pay it because it needs to be paid. Like that's how it works. That's why it wouldn't cause inflation. Um, And so I mentioned that I showed, shared this article with this person and they said exactly that. They said, you know, that's great, but we're out here trying to survive today our rents are due at the end of this month, you know, we need it now. And yes, that's important, but this is not the time to be talking about this. We're in the middle of our, you know, action. So. Right. Exactly. 
Yeah. So that's why, you know, and it's so, so it's hard. I actually did have like there was one. I remember there was one moment where I was sitting with people and I did have a chance to bring it up. And but it was um it was specifically a recreational event. Like it was a bunch of us volunteers and activists, but we were specifically like it was like a you know, doing like a little bonfire drinking kind of thing. And it was like uh-huh. okay, not really the best it's like nobody really wants to talk about this stuff right now. Uh-huh. But of course, you know, but of course me, you know, like I got off on it, I was like, because I love talking about it, you know. I mean, I could talk about this stuff all night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but here's the thing, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, <laughs> and it's like, and then somebody finally says, oh my God, is he talking about politics? And then like the subject quickly changed and I was like, oh, and the moment's gone. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's tough. It's tough to get it like to, to, to get it in there. And like, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to be an expert on how to talk to people. I have some principles that I follow, you know, I treat everybody like, they're a human being, even if they come across as a quote unquote troll, you know, when, when talking about this economic stuff, I mean, I try to, you know, try to meet people where they're at and, you know, treat, treat every conversation as, as though I were speaking to a real live person because I am. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's, um, so I have, you know, these principles that I follow, but I don't, no, I don't, I don't have, I don't have it mastered yet to, on how to, there's people out there that, um, that I need to learn more from that are, you know, that are way better than me at being able to just pick up and talk to strangers about, um, or even, you know, even acquaintances, but to just be able to broach these kinds of heavy, heavy, heavy subjects in a way that's going to be effective, you know, and give somebody something, you know, to give them that bit of hope that they can act on to where that they know that there is a solution out there. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's a lot easier than any of our politicians or media have ever led us to believe. That's a great place to end. Um, unless there's anything else that you wanted to say, uh, that's like the perfect uh, way to close it out. So, Um, so thank you. Thank you for all the time that you gave and, uh, this, uh, the, this lesson of, you know, pursuing more aggressively academically versus just going out and doing things that it's that perhaps like you're more of a balanced kind of a thing. And that's, I think is valuable and is valuable for the academic side of it too. Like, as I said, providing a context and whatever. So, no, I think that pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about. And I really appreciate you having me on. Cool. Great. All right. Well, thanks so much, Sam. And I will see you back in the private chat rooms. And uh, I'll see you back at Facebook. All right. Bye. Bye. You can find Rectech on SoundCloud and Spotify at W-R-E-C-K underscore T-E-C-H. 
To record Activist MMT, I use the iOS phone app Tape a Call Plus for recording phone calls and Zencaster for internet-based recordings. My post-production workflow starts by editing on the iOS app AnyTune Pro Plus, then transferring those timestamps to my Windows desktop. At that point, I crudely process the audio in Audacity and then implement the edits and do all of the final processing in the Reaper digital audio workstation. Activist MMT is hosted by Libsyn and the video teasers are created with the online Headliner app. Today is part two of my two-part conversation with third-year MMT activist Sam Hollenbeck. Along with my recent guest Amber Griego, Sam is co-founder of the organization Beyond the Spectrum. Sam talks more about his volunteering experience and his thoughts on the federal job guarantee and the struggles introducing MMT to those who are deliberately made to struggle just to get through the day. A full introduction can be found before part one, but for now, let's get right back to our conversation. <laughs> 